All right, because three is a crowd, I'm here today, once again, in the bunker, as always, with Kelly. How's it going, Kelly? It's so good. How are you, Daniel? <laughs> That's something of a lie. <laughs> it's been a tough week. Yeah, it's true. But this is a Bob Dylan podcast, where at the end of every episode, we pick a random Bob Dylan song. So, at the very least, stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear what we're going to do next week. <laughs> Just skip ahead, 45 No, minutes. no, don't skip ahead. Listen to the entire thing. If this is in your bag, it's fine. Just listen all the way through. You're not allowed to skip. No skipping. Wait until we pick next week, and then maybe next week is one that you know or you're super into. But I think you're going to be into this one. This is a great song. I have been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the interstate designation for the shortest primary highway. That's one ending in a zero or a five, connecting Dallas to Houston. And this week we're listening to Black Diamond Bay off of 1976's Desire. Up on the white veranda, she wears a necktie and a Panama hat. Her passport shows a face from another time and place. She looks nothing like that. All right, Kelly, so we spent the week with Black Diamond Bay off of 1976's Desire. There is no live, we only had this version. There is no live yeah, version. Weird. There's no bootleg, nothing? There, well, we'll get to that in context. But before we get there, how was your week with Desire's cut of Black Diamond Bay? I really like this song. It's reaffirming my idea that I'll enjoy this album. It was really good. Yeah. I'm glad we got to listen to it. I listened to it a lot. Actually. Better than Sarah? Yes. Just because the lyrical content is better. Yeah. Because it's just an actual story to be told instead of just weird drivel about somebody. No virgin angels here. No. No virgin angels. Thank God. Um, as far as we know. Panama Hat Girl. Who knows? But then the, the musical. The musical. The music side of it. Is still there. So the music side of it is dope, yeah. yeah. I think you like the tightness of Sarah. You just wish it didn't have the lyrics. Yeah. Whereas this is like, you still have the tightness, but the lyrics are good. Yeah. You almost couldn't imagine it with anything else. Whereas Sarah, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's like, eh, could have been interchanged. My only real critique of this song is how long it is, but it doesn't feel as long as it is, yeah. which is nice. And I think that's the thing about narrative story. We talked a lot about narrative stories and narrative songs. Uh, this week as well, listening to the song, and we've sort of compiled a list for. There's a lot of Bob Dylan narratives, but I think this is one of our first like really big narrative songs. Because even uh, Tangled Up in Blue, I guess, right? Tangled Up in Blue, but even that one skirts a typical narrative song in that it skips around. That's the yeah, whole idea. It doesn't linear. really linearly fix. Yeah, so he's he's got a lot of songs like this, but we I don't think we've really come across them because even big ones conceptually like seven curses is not a bad example mm, yeah, but it's sure. also kind of fantastical and it's not really you know i mean i think you're kind of playing with that one a little bit but that's probably the closest that we've gotten or the ballad of hollis brown i guess you could say that too but not really it's hard to say like it, a narrative this is legit yeah. i'm telling you a story from the beginning to the end but even hollis brown plays with those viewpoints which i think i don't i don't think of that as not a narrative so you're right i think hollis brown absolutely is part of it too but it really depends um, on how wide of a birth you want yeah, to get. Yeah. Is somebody just telling a story about another person or a group of people and never inserting themselves? Because even this fails on that level because Bob at the sure. end or whoever Bob is playing, you if that's not. Well. Yeah. Inserts himself at the very end in theory. Or it's the narrator is telling the story of two separate things and they're coming together. So it is, in essence, one thing. It's just, just like there's the Greek and the lady with the Panama hat. There's also the guy in L.A., watching the news he's just another character removed from the scene so it depends on how you want to look at it but uh we did get into uh into talking about that and i think one thing that they were worried about with these songs especially on desire because you have hurricane which is another narrative song that we're gonna Mm -hmm. get to we've unfortunately heard joey that's another narrative song i would say isis in a way is another narrative uh there's a lot of narrative structure to isis they were worried about the audience's attention the length 
um, and, and what you have to do to keep it going. So um, they mentioned specifically, um, I guess we can just sort of get into context. They wanted this to be um, fast-paced. Like it, it moves. It really does move. And I think that's what you're saying where it doesn't feel like it's seven minutes or right. whatever because everything's happening. We're not sort of like lingering with one person the way that Joey feels like the whole 11 minutes that it is. You know, it it's is 11 minutes long. It feels like it's 22 because it's terrible. And this one, we're not stopping. Like, we have all these characters and all this stuff happening. It doesn't feel like anything like that. So this song was recorded over the course of two nights. Most of Desire was actually recorded on the 30th of July. Um, seven of the nine tracks made it from that night. Whoa. Uh, yeah, so they were in a groove. And the night before, on the 29th, was kind of a famous lost recording day for Bob Dylan. Uh, in that he recorded a lot of songs, including 12 tries at Blackwater Bay. But the band was not in syncopation with him. Uh, he was also trying to like throw in mandolins and uh, all kinds of instruments uh, into this mix. And nothing from that day actually made it to the record. So it's almost as if it never existed. Um, this day... Uh, gave us seven of the nine, and then the next day, or maybe the day after, whatever the next recording day after this was, gave us the famous Sarah, which we did talk about. So, uh, which I think was the thirty-first, if I'm not wrong, of July. Um, so that gave us Sarah and Isis, and of course he would play those two songs with Sarah around because gross. Um, <laughs> but those two did make it as well. But this band, like the way the band was playing, they pared it down. They they had a lot of people playing, and they couldn't get all the people in it. So all those takes were sort of lost. And so they finally whittled down, got, got rid of the girlfriends, got rid of all the friends playing the random instruments in the corner, and just got down to the core. And so when we think of Desire, we think of Scarlet, we think of Wythe, we think of uh, Stoner, we think of Bob, and we have Emily Harris showing up, but she couldn't show up on other things. And there is a little bit of overdubbing and stuff like that, but this song is cut live, and you can tell. There are moments where things change and little little tiny moments where it feels like a misnote was made or a mistake was there. And I think that's the charm. If, if you don't come to this podcast looking for charm, I don't know what you're doing. That's all we're looking for is just little mistakes. Um, there's a connection to Joseph Conrad uh, that we'll get into later. I don't know who uh, that is. Joseph Conrad wrote Heart of Darkness, i.e. Apocalypse Now. Oh, right. okay, okay. So Apocalypse Now, the movie, is based on Heart, Heart of Darkness. Of Darkness. Right. Um, and then there was a documentary made called Heart of Darkness about apocalypse now right there you go yes now we're getting like super removed <laughs> Meta. yeah we'll get more into that as well um but but not only does uh jacques levy leave us with a little bit of conrad that's what dylan was apparently reading at the time but also uh, alan ginsburg talks about it in the liner notes as well so there's definitely this correlation between um conrad and um bob dylan this uh this song was played only once wow maybe Wow. So this is the one weird one that I don't know if there's like a another song like this. This song was played one time. Supposedly. Supposedly in Salt Lake City on May 25th, 1976. So this was the second leg of Rolling Thunder. Mm-hmm. We listened to the first leg, that winter leg. We have not gotten to that part. So we will, there's a live record. We heard the rise and not the fall. Yeah, we have not heard the fall. So this, <laughs> this would have been part of the fall. But... Uh, Ian Bell, in his book, Time Out of Mind, The Lives of Bob Dylan, he, in one of his footnotes, uh, cites a book that I've never heard of called uh, Songs of the Underground, A Collector's Guide to the Rolling Thunder Review, 1975 to 1976, uh, by a guy named Les Coke. Um, He notes that the performance is only supposed because there's a claim from a single unsupported report. As we've talked about here, BobDylan.com is great. For most of your Bob Dylan needs, but is it good for all of them? Maybe they're just maybe they're they don't know. I, do, do we know? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if we know. He's playing this in front of an audience. There has to be someone to corroborate this one lone story, right? I mean, like you would think. Right, who was at that Salt Lake show? I get that there isn't a recording, but somebody has to. Play. Oh yeah, that happened. I mean, right? And if and if in the history oh, of ever. Well, the only weird thing is that again we've established this before, but. He played these before Desire came out. So Desire came out in 76. So in theory, in theory, this is a song that nobody would have recognized per se recognized. He might not have introduced it. That's fair. But I did look, I looked online just to see if something had floated out. You know, I don't have like 
the deep connections or anything like that. But, you know, the places I go did not have it. That Salt Lake City show doesn't exist. And mm. Okay, that's fair enough. So let's get into the song, Kelly. And I think it makes sense to start where this song takes a turn, which is at the very end of the song. So let's talk a little bit about the ending. We're going to get more into it after we talk about the song itself. Um, but if we start backwards and we kind of go forwards, we kind of get into uh, the structure here a little bit. Pull an old tangled up and There you go. I'm just going to jump around. A little bit. I was sitting home alone one night in L.A. watching old croquet on the 7 o'clock noon. Seems there was an earthquake that left nothing but a Panama hat and a pair of old shoes. So at the very end, not to spoil it for anybody listening out there, Bob Dylan, or the stand-in for Bob Dylan, whatever you want to say, it doesn't matter. We're going to refer to it as Bob Dylan. For me, it's Bob. Bob is sitting at home. He's watching that old Cronkite. He's watching the CBS Evening News. He's just watching TV. And he heard this story from some faraway place. There's another hard luck story that you're going to hear from some place that I'm never even going to go to. So I'm going to try to turn, I got to turn the channel. Uh, Bob Dylan said in 1976 to Neil Hickey, quote, I don't feel that to live in this country, you have to watch the TV news. You learn from talking to other people. You have to know how people feel. And you don't get that from the television news. It feels incredibly quaint in 2018 to talk about the, the TV news. Nobody watches that except for my dad. So he's literally the only audience for that. Uh, <laughs> for only one of the stations. They still do it. Uh, it's inertia at this point. Why do they still do it? Who knows? But um, I think what he's saying is still prescient. Like, I don't get my information from this one person. I think that's something that we've all sort of internalized over the years. And that idea of these nameless, faceless people who populate um, the other parts of the world that go through trials and tribulations like anybody else, but we don't know them because we've never seen them. We don't hear their stories. It's hard to consistently put yourself into their shoes. It's hard to put yourself, I mean, he says that in the song. It's like, how do you do it? Now, we're both traveled people. We've both traveled this country. We've both traveled. You've traveled the world. Having traveled definitely made me more empathetic to specific situations or, or places or groups of people. It, because that's why traveling is so important. You need to get outside of everything you know because your your view by default is narrow. Yeah. If you never see anything other than the same place you've grown up, you're going to be stunted no matter what. Uh, and then being able to take that internationally, and and that's a, a matter of privilege too. Not everybody can no. travel, and in America especially is isolated uh, geographically, and it's difficult. You have to have a passport, and you have to have the means to usually a thousand dollars. Also, that three to, week vacation, like we yeah. were talking about earlier, like you've got three, you're then going somewhere, and you're really powering through yeah, instead of spending any amount of real time. People somewhere. in Europe have three months off a year and mm. they like they can actually enjoy and immerse themselves in another culture and really have that time to do it. And in America, you're lucky if you get a week, two weeks vacation and mm. you're trying to power through. You're not absorbing really anything. You're just, you're seeing the sights and you're doing like, maybe it touches you, that's great, but you're not like there, you yeah. know? You don't really understand Most people it. use that up on sick days and stuff like that. It's not even, yeah. most people don't even get to have it unless you're saving it up. Yeah, we had to create a, a quaint word staycation to describe, like, oh, I'm just going to stay home. Isn't that amazing that I don't have to go to work and that's good enough? And it's like, yes. And then we convince ourselves that that's okay and that we're somehow better for not knowing anything about anywhere. Because we don't have to. Yeah. And I, Bob Dylan has been all over the world. I think that he appreciates culture. There's no doubt about anything like that. And I think what he's saying in that moment at the very end is something that's obviously ironic to who he is, but also is kind of a you know, an indictment on how we view the world. And you can't care about everything. There's no way you can. Right. So it's a line that, you know, you how do you cross it? I don't think that the narrator has any means of, of, of getting to that answer. But uh, but I, I certainly recognize his, like, I want to turn the channel because mm-hmm. I don't want to see it or I want to have another beer and maybe, maybe I'll dip into it a little bit and see what's going on. But I, that's going to give me, obviously, a nice shield between actual things going on and but also nameless faceless people like i don't know anything about the greek and about the girl in the panama hat the desk clerk and them you know i think as 
just human beings were kind of stunned. Like, we all have empathy to a point. Right. But you, like, your brain can't process it. You just can't. There's, I was going to look up to see if this was a named thing, and I'm sure it is, but it's like empathy fatigue. It's not that you don't feel bad that people are dying. You, you get it. You see it. But, like, can you even – and numbers at a certain point stop mattering. It's like – what is 100,000 people dying? What does that even look like? I have a really hard time conceptualizing big numbers. And, and that's a, a known thing, too, is people can't understand what a billion is. And it's well, like, I mean, this is what Stalin said. When one person dies, it's a name. Mm-hmm. When 1,000 people die, it's, it's a statistic. Right. So Absolutely. Yeah. We just can't. As people, we can't process it. It's our little, little brains. They're just meat, and they can only fire so many neurons at once, and we just can't. How can you do it? Yeah. There's been multiple studies showing that People with less money tend to donate way more than billionaires that have yeah. lots and lots of money. Yeah. And it's because we know what it is to struggle. And I would love to be able to help more people. Me too. But I have a hard time paying rent. It's like you it's it's tough and it sucks. And and traveling really shows you the real depth of that. And it, it I, I don't know. I Well, it puts you, whatever privilege you have, into perspective, regardless of what it is. Because the right. fact that you're traveling is probably automatically putting you at above a station of, depending on where you are, um, you can see that you're already at, an, at this advantage, at this yeah. different place than someone else is. And also it doesn't, we're also talking about very financial things, but it's also a lot of other things. Because I think you can see the vapidness of your own life when you look at people that are happy and don't have the material goods that you have. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to also consider. Why are you spending all your money on useless garbage yeah. when you could not and do a lot more things in the world? Uh, so I think really what it, what the end talks about to me is societal disconnect. And Bob is disconnecting, which is what we all do. And I think when things like the news, which again, is not really the news anymore. It's more of you know, social media, Trump, it's push notifications, it's all of it. They just bombard you every day. They wear you down. And I feel that way all the time. Also something to be said about uh, natural disaster, which this is, yeah, versus war, right? Or, right. or like man-made fucking chaos. Well, and it's also like geography. So I think the point that he was making too, where it's like I never did plan to go there, mm-hmm. which I think says a lot about, well, if I'm not going to get to enjoy it, then what's the point of it? But also, like, I think a lot of people just don't understand geography in general. Like, Oh, I definitely uh, don't. And even after traveling, I'm like, eh. I, I know what Eastern Europe looks like a lot more than I used to, but, eh. but You can't get around Portland, but you can get around <laughs> Belarus just fine. Uh, so, like, the three weeks ago or whatever it was, two or three weeks ago, where Hawaii got that ballistic uh-huh. missile thing, my mom and brother live in Hawaii, and they have for, like, six years now, six or seven years. And... I was like, man, they could just get wiped out. And that's really scary. Like, I get whatever you want to... There's some people going wild on that the text message thing. That's fine. My mom was out at the beach hanging out with her dog. Didn't get it. My brother, asleep. Their, like, roommate person that rents from them thought it was Wait, they're going message. wild that they didn't get it or did? Oh, no, no, no. Or, no, no. They're, they're like, or, like conspiracy theories. Conspiracy theories, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to think about it. The point is, like, I mean, any of us could go at any time, but, like... Hawaii may be under threat. And it's like that I think more people in America especially can they're like, oh, I've been to Hawaii or I know Hawaii and I would be sad about that. But all I could think about was the Philippines because when we were there in 2015, uh, Typhoon Kopu came through and we were it, – it took out the the northernmost part of uh, Luzon. It just like fucking wiped a lot. We were going to go to the rice terraces and go to the hanging coffins and stuff and – flooding and and uh chaos yeah and we were in the southwest in uh i'll take with island which is there's so there's seven thousand islands of the philippines you're saying words i don't know uh that typhoon kopu they have typhoon seasons every year and shit gets fucked up every year there their infrastructure like even if they had more funds and more means they could never build yeah. it up because their shit's just constantly getting flooded and fucked up by natural disasters. So Kopu killed 62 people um, on Luzon and caused $308 million worth of damages. And that wasn't even the worst one that's hit them. Like in recent past, 2013, Bohol earthquake killed 222 people. And in 2017, in now 103 people died from a tropical storm. It's like... That's a lot of people, and like Hawaii is just a little island chain hanging out, not far from there. Like, yeah. 
it's so wild to think and scary to think, but that's that selfish thing. It's like, I was there. I met people in the Philippines. Yeah. I hung out there. But I, what I, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. like, does that make me any closer to them? I would care if something happened in Hawaii because that's where my mom is. And right. that would be upsetting. But like, how, well, how we can only can hope do? that everyone's mom is from <laughs> everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the best you can do. That's how you have to Like, my mom stuff. is yeah. from the Philippines. And so I care deeply about that. The yeah. Philippines, yeah. But how do you extend – there's got to be a word for empathy fatigue. Like how do you extend yeah. that to everywhere always? Kabul is – Kabul's had five terrorist attacks yeah. in January alone. Oh, yeah. Hundreds of people have died I think around and mm-hmm. in, in, in four different attacks in just January. In 2015, they had six total. It's January. Yeah. Like shit is bad. But what can I – what can you do? Tell me. Tell me, dear listener, what can we do? What can I do to help to help everybody? I don't know. What can we do? Have you ever seen a volcano? Yes. I mean, we I guess we live next to multiple volcanoes I, here, but uh, Hawaii. Have yeah. you seen a volcano going? Oh well, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, yes, you're the big island. On a volcano. Literally three volcanoes. But I mean, like a volcano island. going off, like a because there's one going off right now in Guatemala. Again, I could actually the active volcano on Hawaii is always producing lava flow. But have I seen an eruption to the point where it's like it did take out this little town while I was there? Oh no! Yeah, there was a the lava flow moved because the one big one I don't ever remember the name of it is always like the flow is always happening. Yeah, like but for some reason it like turned. Nice. And this little town got kind of hit. So we went to where the flow was, and there was this chain link fence that was all fucked up because they were trying to, like, get people not to go there, but it still came through it because it's lava and it yeah. does what it wants. <laughs> and you get to see all the pictures. Of people put up pictures of, like, all this melted stuff. <laughs> it was Holy shit. Uh, anyway, no, I've not seen, like, cartoon-style triangle mountain yeah, exploding yeah. from the top of it. Also, the volcanoes in Hawaii are, like, pits, yeah. not mountains. Right. They're, they're, like, forming land, like, yeah. going into the water, which is exactly. pretty cool. And the volcano erupted And the lava flowed down From the mountain high above The soldier and the tiny man Were crouched in the corner Thinking of a bit love The desk clerk said It happens every day As the stars fell down And the moon's fled away On Black Diamond Bay Alright, so Kelly, let's talk about song itself i fucking love this song this song is great song is fucking great this is my my favorite of 2018 whoa hey i mean that's not a hot take that's only five five so far i guess i would say the same though yeah it's definitely it's definitely great i think that this is a definitely a hidden gem of his catalog but but it's that ambitious storytelling element that he feels that i think he gets more comfortable with with this record because you have hurricane isis joey on this record, you know, that are really, most of them are high quality, high caliber songs. And this is definitely one of them. I also like it because it feels like a movie. It's got a movie vibe. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people online that are way more into those old old cinema, thir- old Hollywood, 30s, 40s movies, liken it to like old Warner Brothers movies. A lot of, a lot of movie titles I don't know. So if you're into that stuff, it's all on the internet. Really cool interesting takes about that but for me um i just i just could see when he was it's like panning the camera in on characters and sort of moving them out you could make this a really interesting short movie without even having to think about it like oh yeah this whole thing it's is all there it's all it's a written for you yeah michael gray calls it movie spinning uh that's what bob dylan does and i thought it was pretty funny because we talked about um in woody guthrie month last year we talked about bob uh, in the last thoughts on Woody Guthrie, he sort of, you know, spits on movies and everything like that. All the stuff that don't make you, you know, a good person or whatever. Do your bubble gum something. Your bubble your gum. Candy hair. There you go. And so he was sort of shitting on movies or whatever. And then the 80s are nothing but fucking movies. He has nothing else to say about the world except for what he's seen on a fucking movie screen. I thought the harmonica and strings together were beautiful. I'm still blown away by how well Bob Dylan can play the harmonica because I never thought about it as a legitimate instrument, really. I love that this is like the moment where you're really 
marveling at it. Maybe it's with the music involved, too. It's so high caliber, and then you have him playing. I think it's because he's playing off somebody or with somebody, yeah. right? Because we've heard him doing the, you know, oh, doing yeah. the crazy, like, that... oh, this is the sound of a truck, or this is the sound of a train, this is the sound of a dog. Train come around, a train sounds, train sounds something like this. Get speed to sound like this. And I've listened to some blues travelers as a child. Like I know the harmonica is cool. Yeah, it's super cool. Hearing it as a, an instrument that can be part of something else, like yeah. a way to actually harmonize. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so cool. So that's amazing. The song is like a traveling song to me. I'm gonna go ahead and throw out "Can't Heat." Going up the country again? Oh, no. Something about it's it? It's been a long time. Give me that vibe. Um, that was all Planet Waves for you. So this is 74 to 7. We're only a few years removed. Shit, maybe it's all just that. I mean, it's not one-to-one at all, but it did yeah. give me that vibe a little bit, which is a little ridiculous because it's not like that. There's a fucking triangle in this song. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it can only be one of two things. It's either a triangle or it's very tiny symbols, which are a thing, too. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure it's a triangle, which... What the and hell? This was filmed, and this was recorded in Columbia Studios. So they, you know, unlike Dylan's garage or whoever's house, it's like they could pull out anything from anywhere. Oh, Who sure, knows? had it near the trap set and the drummer was like, ding, 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 ding. ding. Yeah, it was great. Ding, <laughs> this is fine. This is great. I'm into this. Yeah. Bob's not saying no. So I'm going to go ahead and roll with it. And it's just. The, the way that it starts from the very beginning is like it's already in progress. Well, and, that, really and that's and that's uh, another song that you enjoyed from Rolling Thunder, if you remember it, Romance in Durango. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That is the song that leads into it. So those two actually mm. flow into that's one That's why another. it sounds like it's already mm-hmm. started. Okay, that yes. makes a little more sense. And it's great. that The, the two Transition. of those, top notch. Wonderful, yeah. The drum and the bass are a little simple, but it doesn't matter. Like, you don't mm-hmm. need a crazy drum throughout it or but the drums are tight it all sounds perfect that's the thing it's like they are exactly what they need to be Mm -hmm. the bass is beefy enough like the the sound is is but there's enough there's enough on every single one of those instruments that they have moments that stand out every single one of them there are drum fills that make the song like when you're listening to it and like know it as deep as like someone like me who's heard this a hundred times I know those drum fills when they're coming up, and they hit, and they hit right, and it just feels so perfect and natural. Bum, 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 with the very end, like, Black Diamond, bang, oh, where yeah. we hit the, the, everybody's hitting at the same time. Bum, 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 bum. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, and then you got that drum. Yeah. Fucking great. Good stuff. Yeah, and also, really you song. mentioned as well how the notes uh, were really somber during Sarah, and then it would uptick yeah, same, same every time. Same thing, thing here. Yeah, it was the, the chord sequence complemented the, how we were going with the song, which was fascinating. It's like they're all professional musicians. It's great. <laughs> it's like you had a theme. It's like it's you true. had a vision. So let's talk about the words. So I found, I think the reason the song is so great is that the details are so astonishing to me. This is like a little tiny short story. All wrapped up in one. You could go to any single one of these verses and just get a wealth of information. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually, I didn't even think about that until just now. Each verse is kind of its own little story. Yeah. Like, and it all really builds on one another, but each one of them is so rich with like things that are happening. It's a little tiny character. Story. And it's a very interesting um, song, too, in that until we get to the very end with the Bob Dylan standing character sort of giving us a couple pithy quotes there's nothing in this song that like stands out in the bob dylan like i'm gonna tattoo this on my body Mm. or like i'm gonna change my entire life around yeah there's no until the end when it's like oh it's a hard like story you're gonna hear you know you don't know anybody until you walk in their shoes blah 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 let's talk about the characters and then i just want to like take one verse in general and just kind of like look into it really quick 
So who is in this 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 song, Kelly? There is a lady. So first, already, we're starting off. Panama Hat Lady. Is there only one woman in this song? I think for, so. F- okay. For a second, I was like, are there two? Is there Panama Hat, Hat Lady who's maybe older? She's that starlet, that that. F- 40s, 50s Ooh, Starlet that we're talking this about. Star- Scarlet. With, with this, this. Uh, scarf and the big hat and the glasses. Love the I'm scarf picturing. you put on her that she doesn't have. I just made that Love shit the necktie, up. though. Yeah. Or necktie, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. But she's got she's got a vibe. She mm-hmm. has an You're aesthetic. already doing it. You're already doing, doing what this song exactly wants you to do, which is you are doing Picture. what? Yep, you're picturing yeah, who these picture. people are. Uh-huh. So I feel like there could be, we're just talking about this one Panama hat. I think it's all her. In the first verse. And then it could be somebody else in the yeah. other ones. But yeah, okay, that's fine. I, I didn't know, I wasn't yeah. holding on to that. No, no. But I just. I reject that only because later on when he says, you know, there's nothing left but a Panama hat and right, a pair exactly. of old Greek shoes, it basically ties in the Panama hat lady and dealing Greek, with yeah. the Greek. Yeah. And the two of and them share, you know, four verses together. Also, so. I wanted there to be more ladies in the song. I decided the stranger was a lady. That's another time. We're going to, well, we'll get there in a second. Yeah. The Greek, who, fucking sad and awesome. Like, we're. The whole point of the song is to make you think about people you would never think about. Like, it's not just a statistic. It's a name. It's a people are living their lives yeah. in this area. So this guy was a sad fuck who wanted to die, and he killed himself. We have a disembodied voice from the gambling room. I figured this could either be the stranger, which I'm assuming it is, or the soldier. But I guess not the soldier sitting in the fan. But there is a disembodied voice calling to the woman who she says now. Love Tiny it. man selling the ring to the soldier. Soldier gets really pissed, apparently. They get in a whole fight. It's a big thing. There's the loser sitting at the gambling table. Is right. the loser the disembodied voice? Maybe. But, I mean, what, what? I mean, so, yeah, the disembodied voice. For me, it was more of just, here's life calling. Yeah. And, I didn't think it was any one person. Yeah. But I was like, if this is a character, disembodied voice is their name. See, but I thought the loser and the dealer only showed up at the very end. I was shocked. They were throughout. To find them showing. I know. Yeah. That's what makes the song so incredible. The desk clerk. The desk clerk. I mean, famous desk clerk. Fez wearing desk clerk. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. I, that's what I would say. The dealer. With the he carefully removes his Fez. Am I hearing you right? Yes. Because yeah. that, I mean, typically you wear it on your ear, so you couldn't you hear. You take it off. Yeah, right, to right. hear, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the stranger. I like you very much. In French, at the end. To our lady in the Panama hat. Oh, God. Yeah, we're a stranger. See, and with the stranger right there. Yeah, I guess I don't know why I thought it was a soldier. I, for me, the soldier is constantly accosting the girl in the Panama hat. I mean, it does sound However, like he, he's also crouched in the corner with the tiny man thinking about forbidden love. And that makes me think the tiny man and the soldier have a thing. Yeah, I thought that too. That's exactly where I'm going with that. Yeah. So I, when I heard forbidden love, I'm like, that's always coded as, as that's queer. Gay. Like, but the, the yeah, last well, possible character is ooh. the Soviet ambassador. So I think that maybe... The stranger is the Soviet ambassador. Ooh, nice. Okay, so like I like the stranger being somebody totally different, just another person. Because they're definitely on like a resort of some kind. There's right, people yeah. here. We've only met six of them, right. but six is a nice number of people to meet after only a couple of verses, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's also not overwhelming. So my one idea, yeah, and I had other ideas, but this like it could just exist more plain face. My idea is Panama Hat Lady. Was there to meet, like, is there with the soldier? The soldiers, like, they got they went there together. They're gonna get married. They're from or a whatever. medieval kingdom. Exactly. Okay. Obviously, he's buying her a ring to show, like, hey, I'm serious about this. But she's not sure. That's why she's like staring out into the ocean. I'm assuming mm. at the beginning, it's like my life. What am I even doing? Looking at my passport. What have I done? I don't. I don't know if I want to live this life. I don't want to marry this soldier person. And then she is supposed to have a. Secret rendezvous Ooh. with the Soviet ambassador. Oh, and so when she sees you're the really Greek, bringing the Soviet ambassador I up know. to like this another like, plateau. Oh, is this is this the guy I was supposed to meet? Oh, but no. And then the stranger in the end is the one. Well, who's why like, does she? Hey. Why is she so concerned with the Greek? Is it just that do not disturb? Well, that's sign the only on reason door? I could think. Is like that's all I got. Too. She was supposed to. She's been corresponding with this Soviet ambassador. For some time. And this was their chance. This was, we're going to escape. I'm going to be at this resort this time. You're going to be at this resort this time. This is now the moment I'm going to escape from Soldier Boy. We're going to go live our life together. We're going to run away on this horse-drawn taxi. Yeah. And we're going to go. We're going to We're going to go to communist Russia. So she sees this Greek guy. 
And she's like, oh, that must be him for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah, that's where your story's falling <laughs> apart. I'm looking for a Soviet ambassador. That's a sad fuck who wants to kill himself. Yeah. He's carrying a rope that he's making into a noose, and he has a pen in his hand. Ugh. And the desk clerk was appalled. He was like, I, am I hearing you correctly, <laughs> sir? So apparently in this world, it's like, that is a big no-no. So I feel like the Panama hat lady would be like, I see what you're going to do. It was just one thought. That's it. I think she's was eschewing her soldier boy to okay. go with the Soviet ambassador, which she thought was the Greek for a second, but then wasn't. And then the stranger outside was like, hey, no, it's me. I got you this taxi. I, oh. I like you. I, we're supposed to go together. And she's like, no. <laughs> but why is he speaking French? Look, the point is, the only person who gave a shit that the island was exploding was Panama Hot Lady. The dudes were just fighting each other and being idiots, just generally. Yeah, it happens every day. It's fine. <laughs> See, for but I'm me, I'm glad that you did. You were like, Forbidden Love, they must be gay. Uh, I was like, Forbidden Love, they must be gay. 100% <laughs> gay. I've always been from yeah. day one that I heard this song. But see, like, the, the stranger being at the end, like, I like you very much with my taxi, my horse drawn taxi. Mm-hmm. Her, the, the stranger being a lady is blown apart if she thinks it's the Soviet ambassador. So I obviously had many narratives in my head. Because <laughs> I really Sorry. wanted the stranger to be a lady, to be like, I'm sweeping you off my heat, my oh, feet. You're right. But the more forbidden love, it's gay and then also gay. And she was crying because it was gay, but also she was dying. <laughs> yes, mostly because she was dying and no one would listen. The island's exploding. Why don't you guys care? I mean, I'm with you. It's unbelievable that no one cared. No, for me, it's a little different. Um, there's the only gay of this song is from the soldier, the soldier and the tiny, and the tiny man. man. 100%. That's right. They're absolutely, the soldier is just like posturing, like here's a ring. Girl, Panama hat girl, the greatest response ever. It ain't enough. That's a it Beyonce ain't move. Enough, yeah. It ain't enough. Tiny Man's like, bro, you don't want to ask that girl. I know you don't want to. <laughs> so I know you're into me. You're putting on some airs. Right? You're putting on some airs right now. And you're going to come around, especially when things are going to shit. And we're going to cuddle over here in the corner <laughs> uh, together. No, I saw the Panama hat girl differently. I saw her not as like there as a um, rendezvous or anything like that. I saw it more of as she's starting her life over. So when she's like, um, you know, a passport from a different time and place. I look nothing like that. She's almost looking back in the past and saying, like, I've lived whatever life, I, who knows what her life has been like before. But she's essentially, like, starting over. Like, a brand new life. This is it. Going to I, the island I've done the thing that I, yeah, exactly, that I've said I was going to do, but I wasn't able to because it was a bad relationship or whatever it was. Um, and then, it, yeah, and then the next line is, and all the remnants of a recent past are sca- scattered in the wild wind. Uh, and I thought, you know, someone's starting over in their lives. And then we heard the voice in the gambling room. Mm-hmm. Life is calling. Like, come in. Be a part of it. Because after that, she smiles. And she walks the other way. Not in a bad way. I, I saw that as, like, I'm excited. Yeah. Like, I'm excited to, like, do this. I'm here. I'm finally here. I just need to go to my room. I just need to get ready. And then I can start either just having a vacation, maybe going back to her life. Or I'm starting a new life. You know, you don't get enough information. But then when it's, like, in the last ship sails and the moon fades away, you're like... Oh no, the last ship is gone. So and automatically it sets dying. that it sets that dread in, which is really, really great. But then you just have all the characters, which is really fun. And for me, the Panama Hat Lady was somebody who came down and I feel like Ambassador the Soviet Ambassador is one of the greatest rhymes that Bob Dylan has ever we'll we'll get to the internal rhymes in just a second because they're fantastic. But I think that she just narratively, I think that she runs into the Greek, recognizes something of the despair in him that she has. And then later on the Do Not Disturb, I think she's just a good person. Mm. Like she just knew that I'm the only one that cares the volcano is going off. Also, I don't. I noticed that you got a rope and a pen and I saw you walk out of your room with And he it. took off his fez. I know what that means. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel like there's like this kinship between the two of them. I never saw him as dying. I always felt like she in some way halted it. Mm. But now that I'm looking back on it, I feel like the end really precipitously falls off. Like, it's almost like when he hangs himself, if he does actually do it and he dies, it almost is like the eruption is literally then happening. Because, I mean, I mean, it literally does. The next line is, then the volcano erupted. But there is a whole other verse Lava. Lava. But, you know, so I, I think if he does die, I think there's an irony to that too. And I, I think that the only characters that sort of rise above their stations are really the loser and the dealer. Because for me, I always saw the loser and the dealer as like gambling in the face of danger, you know, gambling in the face of death. And with the dealer, it's like, congrats on winning. You dead. 
You know, congrats on the wedding. She's left you. Congrats on your dream job. They've closed. Congrats on retiring. You dead again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no coincidence that she also, you know, in that same line, she sheds a tear and um, and then begins to pray. So. Because, again, she's the only one recognizing. The only one. Can't emphasize this <laughs> enough. She's the only one that cares. And really, the loser and the dealer understand the score. Mm-hmm. It's over. And I th- maybe that's a little bit of everything. The de- I mean, the dealer, not the dealer, but the clerk says it happens every day. Obviously, he's talking about just sort of the rumblings and stuff. But a couple of lines before that, the volcano erupted. And that happens every day. It's almost a weird, surrealistic poem of people basically just de- defying death like looking death in the eye and just saying it's not going to happen and then it fucking does and this poor woman in the panama hat is there i mean the greek was always a part of it the ambassador was nothing but a character to be rhymed which is amazing and the poor panama hat lady just swept up and bob watches it at home and he says i don't know who these people are but we got to see their entire life that's the beauty of this song for me we got to see their entire lives played out and then at the very end, it's thrown away. It's like brushed off your shoulder. Be, you know, I don't know who they are. Yeah. They were nothing. And I think that makes every death that you ever see, behind every death, behind everything that happens in, in the world, are these crazy intricate stories with all these crazy things happening with the dealers and the losers and the soldiers and the tiny men and the intrigue and the rendezvous and all of it. Like that's all life is, just wild happenstances and i thought that was really effective i think i think the end is incredibly effective because we know the difference we know that like there is something more there are people that are actually alive that have lost their lives that's terrible this is really a tragedy it's so sad because i feel connected to them because i let myself be open to being connected with them and now they're gone well and you also had the opportunity to learn about them. that's true that's 100 percent true yeah and you can't get to know everybody and i yeah. think that's the whole point of bob's character like i didn't know them Good for you. You got to hear a song played by a famous musician. I'm just sitting here getting drunk on my couch. Like, I've just worked a full day. I don't get the luxury of that, you know? So I don't know who these people are. I don't know where this place is. Fuck. As the island slowly sank, the loser finally broke the bank in the gambling room. The dealer said, it's too late now. You can take your money, but I don't know how you'll spend it in the tomb. So that brings us to the logical place. Once again, we started at the ending. We end with the ending. Jacques Levy said, quote, we were talking about the state of music at the time, and I made some kind of joke that instead of sympathy for the devil, people had apathy for the devil. All this stuff was happening around them, and they paid almost no attention to it. That final verse was intended right from the beginning. Now, I must confess that I didn't know exactly how to get there from the beginning, but I had to get at that apathy. To make the song work, you've got to turn the corner and get into another place and look at it from another point of view altogether. I haven't read Victory, which is the book by Joseph Conrad that supposedly the song is in some way loosely based on. Um, he also, like, The Yellow Fog is a reference to T.S. Eliot. Like, he's he's doing what Dylan does, which is pulling from sources and, and creating this crazy tapestry. This, this, for me, the ending especially, was something that stood out to me. And, and it comes from an incredibly famous book, which is called Things Fall Apart. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of weird that I thought about it only because it's almost like a we- – I didn't know the Conrad stuff. And so it's almost – Chinua Achibe is famous. Things Fall Apart is famous as being a rebuke of everything that Conrad and his ilk stood for. I mean this is a, this is a novel written by a Nigerian about Nigeria, uh, about pre – colonial times and post-colonial times dealing with what was actually happening in Africa instead of seeing it like Conrad did in Heart of Darkness where everybody is a they're all just nothing they're nothing but a backdrop to a white man's adventure so the book follows uh, a character named Akonkwo uh, someone that Joseph Conrad would have called a rudimentary soul um, 
because he's black. And that's what he said about. Yeah, I just he's African. Yeah, so they're just they're they're less. Yeah, they're less less people. They don't actually have souls. They don't have anything. And it's a lot like Black Diamond Bay. It is so intricate with the details. It's so focused on its characters. It doesn't really apologize for what it is, which is really following this one guy, stoic to a fault. It's sort of him trying to be a bigger man than who his dad was to not be somebody who uh, was not respected in his community. So there was a lot of that. But it also tells an incredible life story. He is tied to his land. He's tied to his ancestors. He's tied to his his, his people. He's tied to everyone around him. And uh, it's incredible. And he lives in a complex society that's starting to accept Christian mis- Christian missionaries and uh, in Christianity itself into their lives. And he is not really down with that. But what he does, what Bob Dylan does too, which is crafting a world with precision and focus. Aconquo, spoiler, kills a missionary or kills someone um, that he thinks is bringing harm to his community. And in shame, he hangs himself. And at the very end, we get this storming through the weeds, if you will, almost from off center. Bob Dylan coming through with his TV set. We have the commissioner show up. Uh, and so keep in mind what Bob Dylan's doing, where we've watched a character, all of our characters throughout six verses, an entire song. We've heard their, you know, this. we don't know everything about their lives, but we've really gotten into their saga. And all of a sudden, Bob Dylan's saying, yeah, doesn't matter. I don't, I don't know who any of these people are. I'm turning the channel. Quote, the commissioner went away, taking three or four soldiers with him. In the many years in which he had toiled to bring civilization to different parts of Africa, he had learned a number of things. One of them was that a district commissioner must never attend to such undignified details as cutting a hanged man from a tree. Such attention would give the natives a poor opinion of him. In a book which he planned to write, he would stress that point. As he walked back to the court, he thought about that book. Every day brought him some new material. The story of a man who had killed a messenger and hanged himself would make for interesting reading. One could almost write a whole chapter on him. Mm, perhaps not a whole chapter, but a reasonable paragraph at any rate. There is so much else to include, and one must be firm in cutting out details. He had already chosen the title of the book, after much thought, The Pacification of the Primitive Tribes of Lower Niger. It's incredible because we spend an entire book following one person who the commissioner walks up and says, that guy is worthy of a paragraph. And we just got an entire novel of depth and beauty and his whole life was reduced to nothing. And in some really dark way, these lives and the intricacies that got them to Black Diamond Bay are gone and we don't know them. We don't know them because of a volcano, but the commissioner was a volcano and destroyed the whole of Africa. Check it out. You're now exposed to the sounds of the R to the double O to the T, S, and I stretch limits of this profession. My voice physically fit tracks, I'm bitch pressing. The mic cord is an extension of my intestine. Delicate of seed slacks to my delicatessen. My mind state is out of the SP. Connection, then see a party. South Philly through my artery. Through the dark one, fearsome, slum, son. My vocal just a knuckle that sucker punch the drum. Hip hop, yeah, that's my hustle in a killer kingdom. That fall apart to drastic proportion. Lost ones out there. Y'all better stand clear. Kelly, did you know that we're a real podcast? I forget. You do forget. Sometimes. It's it's hard to, <laughs> to remember sometimes. Did you know that we have an amazing playlist this week on Spotify? It's pretty great. You can find that online. Did you know that? It's called Please Keep My Playlist... Now you know. It's called Please See That My Plate... Can't laugh. Now you have the struggle. It's not called Please Anything. Oh, yeah, it's not. See That My Playlist. Shit. See That My Playlist is kept clean. See, it's a play on See That My Grave is kept clean. So if you're confused sometimes, think about that song and then change one word to playlist. Think about the word that should be changed. It's probably grave. And it's probably the playlist. <laughs> We're also on Instagram. We're also <laughs> on Tumblr. We're also on Facebook. We really like Twitter. That's probably the best way to get in touch with us. Everybody who follows us, thank you. Yeah. We're also, incredibly enough, on Patreon. 
That's pretty great. Patreon.com slash SOTWpod. That's where you can find us everywhere, actually. Everywhere. SOTWpod everywhere. SOTWpod.com. It's better than BobDylan.com, says oh, Columbia Records. man. So join us there <laughs> uh, for, for everything Bob Dylan. And um, keep listening to this podcast because we will be back next week. Before we get to next week, Kelly, we were also people in the world. Beyond Black Diamond Bay, beyond things fall apart, what were we doing this week in 2018? I spent some time listening to kind of abstract, a little independent thing. So it's unlikely that you've ever heard of this person, but Kendrick Lamar, little indie rapper, not many people know about him, but... I listened to all of his music, like, nonstop all week. So when Damn came out last year, it didn't really grab me. I didn't dislike it, but I yeah. just, I don't know, because I, I never heard of him, and I thought that he, especially since the, the single Humble wasn't my favorite. I mean, the, the line's great. Like, the lyrics are fine, but it was like a, it's not really a trap beat, but it's just, like, not a very intricate or interesting beat. Um, so I, and that's what really grabs me for, for rap yeah. most of the time. And... So you just didn't know Th- Kendrick at all? No. Wow. No, but I mean, in retrospect, what's the... Uh, Good Kid, Mad City? What's Yeah, but what's the, the song that was like really oh. popular of his? Like, we're going to have a good day? Or, like, oh, we're, all right. Like, yeah, all right. We're going to be all right. We're going to have a good day. <laughs> Something, yeah. That's I've the heard- whitest. <laughs> we're going to have a good day. <laughs> I said what I said, Daniel. Yeah, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. In the face of being shot by the police. And I have heard that song before. Yeah, yeah. But beyond that, I didn't hear it. And you kept saying to Pippa Butterfly, like, I knew. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I listened to all of his records. Yeah, uh, I saw that. And they're fucking amazing. He's amazing. <laughs> He's amazing. And I, it's like one of those things where you're like, I'm not in the mood to listen to a yeah. specific type of music. And that's when you can't. I was like, this is not current rap week for me i'm yeah. not ready for current rap week <laughs> so i just kind of i was like this is not bad i don't dislike it but it's not where'd you start did you listen to damn or no I, I went back to the beginning okay and and there's an album actually that's not on his discography on wikipedia oh. that was in 2010 right before um is See, it good going, mad city good King mad first? city is uh, well or i think it's untitled 80 or whatever yeah section 80 or whatever 80, is the yeah. first first one okay so there's even that for me is right a bit before that where he basically features on a bunch of tracks of a okay. different album that's fucking amazing too see like, i don't i haven't even i haven't ventured into those it's that it's hard to go way back it's hard yeah, to go back to when they're, they're really they're rough really yeah. good okay maybe i'll i like them a lot the, what spurred this on was heat rocks because mm. in an outtake for an episode about I don't remember what the actual episode was about. Oh, it was the DMX episode. Um, they went on about who's your favorite current rapper to the guy, the, your dude from The Ringer that you were talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, Shay Serrano. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, well, to Bibba Butterfly is like, come on. Like, that's... Yeah, there's if you're no, talking about modern era rap, there's yeah. nothing. It's uncontested. Planet Earth. It's so good. Like, it's taking so all good. those elements from so many places and even having that that follow-through, the verse he says. Oh, like, yeah. The- that is like a little interview clip at the mm-hmm. very end. It's so good. Like, what an amazing... And it just goes through as it continues. It just keeps bringing it back. Mm -hmm. What an amazing fucking record. And it's obviously very conscious of the world that we live in. Well, the America that we live in. Mm -hmm. It just... It was in 2015. It still is. Even more so. Just amazing commentary. Every time I write these words, they become a taboo. Making sure my punctuation curve. Heavy letter hits true. Living my life in the margin. And that metaphor was proof. I'm talking poetic justice. Poetic justice. If I told you that a flower bloomed in a dark room, would you trust it? I mean, you need to hear this. Love is not just a verb, it's you looking in the mirror. Love is not just a verb, it's you looking for it, maybe. Call me crazy, we can both be insane. A fatal attraction is common, and what we have common is pain. I mean, you need to hear this. Love is not just a verb, and I can see power steering. Sex drive when you swerve, I want that interference It's coherent, I can hear it mm-hmm. That's your heartbeat, it either caught me or it caught me mm-hmm. Read slow and you'll find Gold mines in these lines Sincerely, you're truly And right before you go blind, P.S. You can get it, you can get it, you can get it, you can get it And I know just, know just, know just, know just, know just what you want Oh, what? Hot take. 
Hot take, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> Anyways, I want to recommend two records really quick. One is a band called Calexico, The Thread That Keeps Us. Kind of a great... Yimmy Ames. Huh? Yimmy Ames, right? Oh, Ames. no, no. No, but, Jim James is my morning jacket. I know, but didn't isn't this the whole thing? Calexico was a band playing with somebody at some point. There was a whole thing. It was, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. He was playing. Calexico was playing with Jim James in "I'm Not There." Thank you. You're welcome. So yeah, they came out with a new record. They're great. And then another uh, album that I recommend wholeheartedly. One of the best albums of the year, second to Jeff Rosenstock, easily in 2018. I got you listen to that. Okay. Is an incredible band. Yeah, called Great Collapse. And their album is called Neither Washington Nor Moscow Again. And it is, um, the lead singer is the lead singer uh, of Strike Anywhere, one of my favorite bands of all time, Richmond, Virginia, represent. And if you want something, if you're looking, if you're in a political mood and you want a tonic, uh, you have you have one drink over here that's Jeff Rosenstock that's taking it on a very large level. And then you're taking a political route with, with, um, with a great collapse. So recommend that if you want to feel empowered and you want to feel like you're on the right side of history and you want a new fuck Nazi anthem because they fucking got it. So go listen to that record. Neither Washington nor Moscow again. Time to pick next week's song. We are at 489. Is that good? That's crazy. We're under 490. Now we just need to get under 480. Then we're making progress. What you got? 20,006? 26? No. I think you've guessed 26 I know, before. I have. You it's did good. last time. Meet me in the morning. I was, That wasn't my guess. I okay. said 20,006. Listen. For what it's worth. 402. How about that? You know, I've known you for six years. I've also had this wristband for six years. I got this at the Boulder Creek Festival before we left. Nice. This is a very personal thing to put in a weird podcast. I know. That's pretty dope, though. Anyways, 402 is a song from an album I hope we never, ever, ever get to. It's called Let's Stick Together off of 1988, which you know it's terrible. Hey, that's when I was born. Down in the Groove. Okay. You don't want to know what it's like to be Bob Dylan down in the groove. <laughs> you just don't. The actual number, Kelly, if you're interested. I am. It's 451. Hey. You're in the same ballpark. In the same ballpark. One of my favorite songs. I'm so excited. Yeah, one of my favorite songs of all time. 451. It's a song that was not released on a record but could have been on the best version of Blood on the Tracks that could possibly exist. It is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful song called Up To Me that you can find on Biograph out there. Or I think it's part of now you can, if you search it on Spotify, it's part of like the selected songs or cuts of, I don't know, the cutting, no, it's cutting edges of bootleg series. I forget what they call it, but you can find Up To Me, just type in Up To Me, Bob Dylan. This is one of my favorite songs. Yes, Kelly. What's exciting? Yes. I'm excited for you. This is our first Blood on the Track since episode three. So episode 46 coming in hot. Kelly, anything else to say before we go? No. Bye. <laughs>